Everybody, welcome to Down and Out, the sports and entertainment podcast, taking the world by storm. Dom Tibbetts alongside Evan Ryer, two sports quote-unquote professionals, giving our best shot at the world of podcasting, but we like to have fun, keep things loose, a lot to get to today. First off, as always, shout out JD Masters and Buddha. Man in the Mirror, our intro-outro song. Go show them some love, YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream music. Anywhere you stream our podcasts, like Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, you'll find our guys, JD Masters and Buddha, friends of the program, friends of ours. They are in Butte, Butte, Montana, Montana. Ev, we're not talking anything about Butte, Montana, Montana, just yet anyways, because we have a lot of NFL wildcard stuff to talk about. I, I, I don't really know how to sum up the emotions and my feelings overall from this past weekend. I mean, there's some good games. As a Bills fan, I'm ecstatic. Still on cloud nine. And we'll get to that in just a moment here. But overall, I mean, kind of just an, an up and down weekend, it felt like. But six games of football, I, I, I'm not going to, you're not going to get any complaints out of me. Yeah, man. I mean, it was a, uh, it was it's it's the best weekend in NFL. I mean, I've always said that, and and I still believe it. Uh, you know, I, you could maybe make an argument for week seventeen or week eighteen, but at the end of the day, you know, you got uh, you know, what was it, seven total games or eight total games, whatever it is, uh, uh, that you know were just bomb. Uh, no, six total games. I wish I could count them, uh, but that's why I do this podcast, so I don't have to worry about mathematics. Yeah, that's um, that's, that's not our strong suit. So, but yeah, I mean, six games of, you know, Saturday evening, Sunday all day, and then Monday night. Uh, being on the East Coast, things come on kind of late, which is annoying. Uh, well, I know you were mentioning that uh, you had to go on pretty late last night, right? Because of the... Uh... Yeah, well, thank, thank and thank God I didn't have to anchor the 11 o'clock. But yeah, ABC affiliates across the country uh, going on late, especially on the ones on the East Coast. I don't... Uh, the, the blowout definitely helped, so it didn't go on too, too long. But I think around 11.15, which is about 15 minutes past showtime, is when I think we started getting on air. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so, you know, I mean, the games are going late, but that's not a that's not too big of a problem. You know, uh, I, I will say I, you know, I think everyone kind of wished that, uh, you know, the the games were a little bit closer overall. That being said, I would also say that it was not nearly as bad as it could have been. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, of course, the 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 Bills, you know, Patriots game, which we'll get into, wasn't close at all. But at least, you know, the uh, the Pittsburgh Kansas City game was interesting for most of that first half. Yeah, you know, and, and and like that's the game too that everybody had the expectation. Like no one was looking for a nail biter. They were just looking for an agent of chaos, and it, it looked like it may have happened for a moment, but obviously it didn't come into fruition there. Two games delivered a drama. And uh, that starts, and we have to give credit to those games. And that starts with, uh, you know, Vegas and Cincinnati. Uh, they got us off to a good start because, you know, I mean, that was uh, that was a game that I thought, you know, 
I was there were multiple times where I was like, okay, here's Derek Carr's chance yep. to you know to to make this happen to to prove that he's not just a good quarterback, but you know a playoff you know leading quarterback, and it just didn't happen. Um, it just didn't happen for him. And you know, I mean, credit to uh, credit to the Bengals, but I mean. The, the Raiders kind of executed their game plan. Like, Josh Jacobs was able to get, you know, a decent amount of yardage. Uh, you know, Derek Hart threw for over 300 yards, but they just uh, couldn't keep up with uh, the Bengals' offense when it was all said and done. Well, not to state the obvious, but, like, uh, you know, you, you can put up all this offense, you can put up all those stat lines, but you got to be able to punch it into the end zone. And, you know, you had a nice second quarter, but you drop a goose egg when you have all that momentum riding into the halftime, and your, your defense steps up and prevents uh, – uh, Joey touchdowns from even getting into the end zone in that second half. I, I I thought on that last drive there was a bit of me that was going no way. I'm like the fucking the 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 alligator blood team Las Vegas Raiders are about to pull this off again because it just with the way everything has gone this season I was like this this fucking storybook of a tale that the Raiders have is going to keep going here. And my heart was going to absolutely be crushed for Bengal fans if that was going to happen. Yeah, but but that, that, that's the thing that sucks. You know, it's, it's, it, you feel for the Raiders and you would have felt for the Bengals. And regardless, I think of who would have won that game. And it's easy to say from a new, neutral perspective that me and you have, since we didn't really have any rooting interest in, in this game is whoever won that, I'm happy for. I'm happy for the city of Cincinnati because I, I know what it's like to have a playoff wind drought. <laughs> it's it's not fun, and when it and when it snaps and when it breaks, it's a magical moment. And I love that story. I don't know if you heard this. So Zach Taylor apparently went into a Cincinnati bar that night, like late at night, and walked in there and kind of stayed pretty low key until you know people started to recognize him. But as they recognized him, he was like, "Hey." beers on me drinks are on me for the rest of the night and he like handed like the bartender his credit card and everybody at this bar this you know Bengals bar was drinking for free and I was like yeah that's you know 20 plus years in the making right there that's how you went over a city that's how Zach Taylor solidifies his contract for another three to four years there in Cincinnati so I'm happy for him and uh you know the Raiders it'll be an interesting situation to see what they rebuild from but all in all for a team that wasn't even supposed to be there uh, I'll, I'll tip I'll tip my cap to Derek Carr, Rich Passaccia, and the Vegas Raiders for what they were able to do. Do you? Uh, how do you feel about the uh, the miscue from the officiating crew where they blew the whistle? Yeah, I. Or, the thing is, is that do, do they? So, I, like, I, I just want to say, do they think we're fucking stupid? Do they think we don't get to watch TV? We everyone in America gets to hear this game, and and, and you know what though, Ev, it, they the NFL backed that up by not allowing. Uh, I forget the name of the ref, but the the head referee and his crew are no longer in the playoffs anymore because of how bad that game was. They, they, they became the main character during that entire game, and that's never supposed to happen when you're a referee. So I, I don't even need to, like, try to plea to validate my case here that I'm sure everybody else is feeling. I will say, though, if that call had, not, had taken away that Tyler Boyd touchdown, far more outcry, though. I think they did the right thing in letting that touchdown stand because if, God forbid, you take that touchdown away, riots in Cincinnati, you know? For me, I think, you know, the NFL kind of avoided disaster here because if 
you know, with the the main call in question of Burroughs, you know, the whistle being blown before Burroughs stepped out of bounds, the result that ended up happening was what should have happened, as in it should have been a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that, you know, he shouldn't have been – they should – you know, I know the rules call for, you know, okay, no touchdown, we blew the whistle, it sucks – but if Cincinnati had lost in that way, yeah, you're right, Dom. Like, there would have been absolute chaos. So I feel like it's weird and, like, you know, the, the there's some, you know, there's some room for Raiders fans to be kind of mad at that. But at the same time, if I'm a Raiders fan, I look at that and I go, well, yeah, I mean – we should have gotten scored on too. Like, yeah, and, and here and, and and Rich Basaccia came even after the game and said, you know, I don't put any of that on the ref. I mean, he's like, I thought the refs did a did a fine job today. And 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 we Never and we seen that before. Yeah, Never no, it's seen, uh, it's the, the 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 premature whistle on a step out of bounds. Uh, that was weird. Yeah, and and he even said he's like, yo, we can't we if we wanted to really win that game, we had plenty of opportunities. It shouldn't have come down to Joe Burr possibly stepping out of bounds on a touchdown throw and, that, and that's fair you know so I, I think even the Raiders are just you know they're they're over it they understand that the game should have been won for them in a lot of other ways and they had plenty of other opportunities to do so and they didn't um I I, I still don't even really know like was he out of was he really out of bounds because every yeah, angle he wasn't out of bounds yeah okay so he I didn't wasn't anywhere close I mean, that's what that's what I thought too every angle I was seeing wasn't out of bounds so I mean at the end of the day the right call stood and there you go. But like you said, if if God forbid the refs, you know, continue to play the main character role here and like make that call to take away the touchdown, nah, they're not getting any skyline chili anymore. That's for sure. True. Well, Tom, we come to you know what was obviously so far the best win of the entire uh, Buffalo Bills season. Um, Shoot, uh, that might be the best win of my fucking lifetime, (laughs) if we're being honest. (laughs) I can see it, uh, because, I mean, that was a just dismantling of the uh, New England Patriots, 47-17. Really, talking about the game doesn't, I mean, you know, you can say what you want about how, you know, well-oiled and how efficient and dominant that offense was for the Bills, but this is one of those games where, as a fan, you'll never forget it. As a neutral, people will be like, oh, wait, did they do that? Like mm-hmm. that's that's how, and it's not a diss in any way. But I'm thinking about some of like the Jaguars' huge playoff wins over the years. Like people, like for the Jaguars fans, those are cherished, cherished memories. But you know, from a neutral perspective, you're like, oh, I kind of, you know, I forgot that that's yeah. Aside been. aside from you guys beating us ten to three, and then the Pittsburgh game, like I couldn't name you another Jaguars playoff game. You know, right. so right. I, 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 I get where you're coming at, you know, so. Yeah. But, but I mean, you know, obviously uh, it almost feels like, it, I mean, it were you weirded out when uh, the Bills still had their, like, starting offense in late in the game? Like No, I, I, I kind of, and this is greedy because I know Josh could have gotten hurt and all this stuff, but every touchdown we kept scoring. I mean, seven drives, seven touchdowns, first team in NFL history to not, you know, kick the ball, uh, have to punt the ball, turnovers, uh, and I forgot the other one. But, it, I mean, it was an incredible, incredible game, obviously. I I just wanted them to bury the Patriots so far into the ground. I, I wanted 60. I wanted 50. I wanted 60. I wanted more, more, more until, you know, about you know, five minutes left in the fourth. And I'm like, okay, I think we can – I think we can take – 
Josh out. You know, let's 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 get ready for Kansas City here at the end of the day. But I uh, I, I I just after twenty plus years of having Tom Brady. Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots shit pump the Bills twice a year. I'm so I'm so happy that we now have a new memory and there's the new big brother on the AFC East. And having Patriot fans admit that the next 20 plus years are going to be all Buffalo cherry on top. It was beautiful. It's it's the passing of the torch and for you know, like I said, the, the the retribution payoff for 20 years of embarrassment the Bills had to go through playing against New England. It was good. It was a great win, and I'm happy. And, you know, it's, it's certainly a testament to our offense finally being able to click the way I always knew it, it the way we always knew it could do, and our defense able to step up and, and do, some, do some really nice things. I, I will say, though, I mean, nothing against, you know, Mac, I still think had an you know, an average game. I don't think he's an awful quarterback by any means. That interception Micah Hyde had in the first quarter, I mean, like, that's a touchdown-saving catch. And how he made that play, I'll never know. That was yeah. absolutely bonkers. I don't, I don't think this is a game where it's like, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of stuff where it's like, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, people will be like, what well, in a beatdown, they'll be like, well, if that play doesn't happen early on, maybe it's not a beatdown. I still think the Bills probably win by two scores at least. But, yeah, that was a, I mean, that's a tone setter for sure. I mean, that, that kind of just was like, well, shit. Like, I don't, you know, I don't really see the Patriots being able to do uh, too much going the rest of the way. I mean, and, and, and Mac was just getting, like, there's so many. I, I've never seen Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry didn't have a drop on the single season until, until that night. Kendrick Bourne dropped a couple passes. The Patriots offense just... They did not show up, man. They were not ready for whatever. I think, I think I, yeah, I, it, it's tough because I think, I mean, I mean, I still think Mac was the best freshman, you know, best rookie QB this year. And I don't think that's a hot take, really. I think that's relatively agreed upon. Um, mm-hmm. And I, this game doesn't change how I feel about that. I mean, it's his first playoff game. Um, and obviously in three-degree weather in Buffalo, you know, I mean, that shit was a tall order. Um, so... You know, I mean, it, it it's tough, but yeah, you're right. It seemed like once the Patriots went down, they just were like, "Nah, we're not, we're not the type of team to make a comeback," and they're not. I mean, they're just simply not. So, um, to do also like just the atmosphere of a sold out home playoff crowd at full capacity for the first time, you know, in 20 years, that just made it even better. Um, did you also see the man, the myth, the legend, Ryan Fitzpatrick? That viral video in when he was in the stands yeah, with his shirt, off. shirt off. I want when so Mitch Trubisky is one hundred percent probably going to get signed with the quarterback market this year. I mean, the whole goal was just to, as Brandon Bean said, was to have Mitch on just one season to kind of get his confidence back, and then they'll you know let him go or whatever. I don't know what the the Washington football team's plan is with Fitz and Heineke, but if God forbid they do some shit and let Fitz go. I would love to see Buffalo sign him as the backup and just let him finish his career in Buffalo where he belongs. Oh, nothing would make me happier. I almost want to give Ryan Fitzpatrick a ring because he at times was the only bright spot through some of the the harder years of the mid-2000s and early 2010s that Bills fans had to go through. Um, Really, I guess actually more early to mid-2010s. But he was, up until Tyrod Taylor took us to that first playoff 
you know, game against Jacksonville. Like, Ryan was a guy who brought at least a little bit of something to the quarterback room and, you know, made us slightly competitive in, in areas that we hadn't been competitive for. So I would love to see Fitz join Buffalo, get him a ring somehow. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll save that for a comp, save that for another day. But, yeah, Buffalo moves on, Ev, and I'm pumped. And, and I think it's a good time to roll into our Sunday games where the blowouts continue Tampa Bay doing its thing against Philadelphia. I mean, we called it in our last episode. Uh, there was nothing. I mean, good. Thanks for being here, Philadelphia. You know, it yeah. was it was never really close. I'm Jalen Hurts. I, I there there I, there's a lot of talking points that we can get to, but the first thing I want to just bring up is Jalen Hurts. Man, I, I still think he's a good quarterback. I'm not going to judge him based on this game, but that's rough. That's a rough I playoff more, game. I have more issue with uh, with. Like I think the offensive approach by the by the Eagles than I do uh, Jalen Hurts' play. Well, they figured it out so late. You know, you you wonder if he had put the same effort in the fourth quarter, if he had maybe started to do that, is is the game different? I don't think so, but you don't know. Now we have to ask that question, right? I mean, so here's you know that's the thing, right? So in the first like three drives, I think they totaled like. 20 yards on offense and then they go and turn the ball over on downs after going for it on fourth uh on that next drive when they're down 17-0 and then Jalen throws the pick in the end zone trying to make a play I just I mean it wasn't it's it wasn't an impressive game by Jalen by any means no question but at the same time like I mean you're down you're down 17-0 like, I mean, your offense, it's one thing to say, you know, I, I totally understand, like, uh, you know, you got to be able to go put up points in a playoff game in the first three positions. Right. I think I think that's a mandatory thing, you know, and, and that's and, – and so you can say that's a critical failure on the offense's part. But meanwhile, it, you know, the opening, uh, you know, like eight minutes of the game, nine, ten minutes of the game, your defense allows two touchdowns and a field goal. Your defense has given up, um, what is it, 198 yards in the first four drives. <laughs> like, I mean, you just you, you can't like. You no, can't, uh, yeah. Like, you, you and, and listen, and, and you can you can you know play the argument that it's Tom Brady, but Tom also doesn't have Chris Godwin, and he also doesn't have Leonard Fournette. You know, the, the this is a, a Tampa Bay offense. It's a that's while very talented, definitely is missing some key playmakers. So it's I I, I don't you can't use that as an excuse. Uh, almost two was that two yards short of two hundred. That's unacceptable. Absolutely yeah, unacceptable. Two yard, seventeen points and two hundred yards in the opening uh, like eighteen <laughs> minutes. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's a rough look. And then, you know, they, they have to go for it on fourth down. They don't get it. You know, they uh, Jalen has to throw for the end zone on, I believe it was, okay, it was like a second and four. There was no real need to, uh, to throw there. But I don't know if you remember, but it was actually really like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be overly defensive of Jalen. Well, the guy, no, the guy was, if this is the play I'm thinking of, the guy was open, but he hit him too late and it allowed that backside safety to come by and make the interception. Yeah. Yeah. My, he, he, he tried to zip it in there and it was like, it's a throw that most quarterbacks would try. And I do think, you know, it is a, it was one of those moments where if Matt Stafford's making that throw, he, the ball gets there in time. Yeah. yeah well, it, I, I, Allen, it, I think it was a timing thing for him. I think just Jalen hit, pulled the trigger too late. If it, well, and, but what I'm saying is, is that like, I think the criticism of Jalen in that moment, sure. The timing was a little too late, 
But there's a lot of quarterbacks, like like I said, I would say Mahomes, Rodgers, Allen, Stafford, Herbert. I get it. Who's, who's, who's zipped that in there? No problem. Get it, get mm-hmm. it there in time for sure. I can, I can get behind that, absolutely. So, so you know, I mean, it's tough. It's uh, it's a tough bit, and and I don't think it was a great look for Jalen in that game, of course. But at the same time, I mean, the Eagles just did not look like they, you know, they really were ever going to compete. No, and he was he was uncomfortable a lot of the game. And credit to the Tampa Bay defense, obviously, because I believe this was their first game since like Week One, where like everybody was healthy, you know, and like that's I I I I know you don't forget it, but just for everybody listening, like if you forget that like. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers won last year's Super Bowl really off their defense, off a team that sh- literally shut down Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. And so if you're fully healthy, yeah, that's that's scary. That you know, so Jalen Hurt Jalen Hurts unfortunately had to go against the, you know, one of the best defenses fully healthy in the NFL, his first ever playoff game on the road. The Eagles will be all right. They got three first round draft picks. They'll they'll be okay. Uh, uh and Sirianni is the guy for sure. Like I, I think like I I do too. And the I, offense it, it, was pretty rough, and that's his offense. But I, I I'm not you know I'm not uh, uh putting him to the stake quite yet. So um, I'm with you there. Uh, uh let's let's get into that afternoon game. Dallas, yeah, what a which, fucking you know the probably the most hyped up matchup in terms of just like pure NFL vibes not in terms of quality you know per se i mean they're relatively evenly matched teams and that showed in the the 2017 scoreline but you know just the the history between the two teams two of the NFL's biggest franchises and and uh man i mean the uh the 49ers got started hot they uh they uh, you know that that when it comes to uh, to you know your first 15 plays of a game where you draw up everything and as long as disaster doesn't happen you stick to those 15 plays no one's really better at it in the nfl than kyle shanahan i mean if kyle shanahan if all football was was like preparing you know those types of plays and not having to call stuff on the fly mm-hmm. and make game decisions then Kyle Shanahan would be the best offensive mind in the NFL. Um, and he might be anyways. But he sucks at making game-time decisions, <laughs> yeah. which so does Mike McCarthy. And that was kind of the story of this game in the second half uh, as the Cowboys, you know, slowly came back. They were they were down like 17, uh, 17-6 at halftime. Um, and really, I mean, at the 49ers, uh, or 16-9, 16-9 at halftime, that was the halftime score, I mean, if the 49ers get in the end zone once more in the first half, it's not even, you know, the end of the game doesn't even matter. Right. Um, if they're up, you know, uh, probably, what, 24-7 at halftime, I mean, they go get that touchdown that they got in the uh, third quarter, I mean, they are not, you know, it, it, it's not a game. Um, but, but you know, they, they couldn't do that, you know, they couldn't get in the end zone. Um Move the ball well. I mean, Elijah Mitchell with 96 yards in his first ever playoff game. And, you know, Garoppolo threw the ball well in the first half. I actually looked at his half-to-half stats, and uh, Garoppolo threw the ball really well and then was complete ass. I was about to say, I was like, what word is he going to use to describe his second-half performance? Because well, it is the polar opposite so, of, of, so of that. So there's a lot of 49ers fans that are rolling their eyes at this, but – Kyle Shanahan did come out yesterday and say that Garoppolo uh, suffered a uh, shoulder sprain um, at the end of the first half. Is that uh, wait? Is that just Shanahan's excuse to start Trey Lance against uh, against no, the, it's the Packers? Ex- <laughs> what 49ers fans get mad about is that they think it's Shanahan's excuse for Jimmy G's bad play, 
is that you know he's trying to protect Jimmy G from Yeah, players. well we do know Shanahan and Jimmy G do have this this love affair between the two. They are very tight. Uh uh so I I think if I think in a lot of scenarios let's say I don't know. You know, I think it, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are about Jimmy G's level that if they weren't Jimmy G, you know, Jimmy G wouldn't have still been the quarterback at this point. But anyways, um you know, I guess credit to Dallas for coming back, but I mean they still botched it in the end anyways. I mean, I don't really know what that that uh, QB rush, you know, that draw. Oh, like it's it's like was. it's it's fine if you do it, but Dak, you gotta get you gotta down get earlier. Down. Yeah. Like ten, dude, ten yards, get the first down, get the hell down, because you you were already in hail mary range. You're now you're just going for it to be a little bit closer. I mean, which I, is, I do I do understand the appeal of like, okay, let's have a twenty eight yard toss at the end zone versus a you know forty five yard toss or something. Uh huh. But yeah, I mean, get down, man. Just 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 you know, you can't. The one thing you can't do is take too long. You know, it's one thing if you if you go down early. Let's say he goes down and he only gets like six, seven yards. People will be like, well, that was pointless. But they get the throw for the end zone. Right. Not, you know, oh, fuck, time ran out. Um, and, I mean, that's I, – I, 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 I think you're right that Dak's got to get down. But also, I don't – I mean, I, I, I still don't know how I feel about the play call in general. Like, you know, like, I, it, Dak's got to get down. It's fine if you want to do that play call, I guess. But at the same time, I would also just say, like, dude, I think I think you just need to throw a 10-yard out route if you really want 10 yards. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and, and, you, and you have to wonder who's in Dak's who's in Dak's ears making that final call. Is it Mike? Is it Callen? You know, and if you think right. it's Callen, then, you know, not the greatest look for what we're going to get into after the cash grab with the coaching carousel. Like, Well, that's what I was going to say is that, you know, I, I think somebody brought this up on Twitter, and I thought that was a very fair point, is that whenever the Cowboys offense is bad, everyone gets mad at Mike McCarthy. But whenever it's good, everyone goes, oh, Kellen Moore is so good. So, you know, it's kind of a double standard there. Uh, but the 49ers get it done at the end of the day. And you can say whatever you want about the end of the game, but the 49ers ran for 170 yards on the ground. Uh, they forced uh, uh, a turnover. They got five sacks on Prescott, and Jimmy G didn't get sacked once. And the Cow- the 49ers won that game with Fred Warner going out in the fourth quarter and Nick Bosa getting a uh, concussion in the second um, it sounds like both of them are probably going to be able to play against the Packers this weekend, but um, it's it's up in the air. So I don't. I mean, I don't really think the Cowboys have an excuse. I mean, I nope. think uh, I think I think they deserve to lose that game, and the 49ers deserve to win it. Um, now you know San Francisco is going to have uh, a pretty tough challenge uh, going to Green Bay, but hey, you know one one road win already. Uh, you can you know make it too. No, and they're and they're and they're a frisky team, and they're I mean they showed it on that opening drive. Is like you can win in the trenches, you can win any game. Well, and that's what I was saying. Like they, you open up the game with Elijah Mitchell, you know, pounding it down your fucking throat, and it's like you're. I'm watching that going. Oh, okay. So the Niners are just gonna literally like their identity is we're just gonna play physical. We're just gonna sh- ram the ball down your throat and go score a touchdown. And you know I'll, I'll be curious to see how what Lafleur and the Packers do for that because like you said you, you can you can take control of the game very early on as they did against Dallas if you start winning up in the trenches my only point with Dallas fans is like or I guess in Dallas in general and like I know you probably have a similar take because you're not a Dallas guy but like yeah, it's it's tough the way it goes out. Like I was kind of hoping that we'd get to see a Hail Mary shot just cuz it's fun, it's entertaining, yeah, right? Of but 
It's the fucking Cowboys, dude. I was ecstatic that they lost in the most cowboy way possible. I saw a lot of, like, people that I think normally, especially, like, within my friend group, a lot of people, like, trying to sympathize for the, you know, and show some compassion for the Cowboys and how much it sucked. Fuck that at the end of the day, dog. Like, the Cowboys blew it again. Like, I love that storyline. I, I will love that till the day I die. So, like, I, 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 I while, while I, while I scratched my head and, like, was bummed about not getting to see the Hail Mary, uh, could not be more happy that I was wrong about that pick. And I'm pumped that the 49ers pulled that off because fuck the Cowboys. The the crowd shots of the emotional fan, like that girl crying with like four minutes ago. Yeah, that was the, the fans crying at the end of the game, them throwing trash at the referees that were also by chance hitting the players as well, like cherry on top for the for the Dallas collapse. Yeah, it was uh it was pretty um, it was, I, I also, I don't hate the Cowboys quite like that, but I definitely don't like them. And, and yeah, if you told me, uh, I, you know, if you told me one way or the other, you know, who, who's, who has to lose, I definitely, uh, wanted the Cowboys to go down there. Uh, speaking of major franchises going down, the Steelers, uh, end up getting schlocked, uh, by the Chiefs, although it was, you know, I mean, zero, zero after one quarter and, with about, you know, three, four minutes left in the game, uh, Kansas City was only up, or it was 7-7. And then Kansas City ends up going up 21-7 by the half. And- well, like, my jaw, when when TJ Watt had that, got the defensive touchdown, I, was, I oh, shit, we're going to do this. I said, no way. I was like, don't even do this to me. Don't even do this to me right now. It was like, no well, fucking was way. Be, that was always my concern, though, was like, okay, so that's great. I mean, I think the Steelers are going to be in the game because of it, or at least be in the game for longer. But they have to score at some point. Yeah, just, and they're, they're dude, they're, uh, that offense was so bad. I've like big. It, it was it was very clear that Big Ben was done. Like his career yeah. is done. He's awful. He, or he was awful in that game and has been awful. Um, and so is. Career. Can I just say too, like to a little bit of Big Ben's defense, uh, Deontay Johnson. Must have eaten the biggest box of buttery popcorn and not washed his hands. That dude had so yeah. many drops in this game. Nobody on that offense really played well. Um, Juju uh, wasn't really that healthy. Like he just got back. Line was getting absolutely rocked uh, by a Chiefs defensive line that's good but not great. Like that offensive line couldn't block. Uh, Najee Harris had nowhere to go, and if the Steelers really wanted to win that game, Najee Harris needed to go for like a buck twenty. And instead, he fumbled it for the first time this season. Somebody had to have jinxed poor Najee. He does. He didn't deserve that. Yeah, Najee had a great, uh, great year, and I, and I'm happy for him. But you know, uh, it, that's the way it goes when you have to travel to Arrowhead and uh, you've got Ben Roethlisberger as your uh, quarterback. So, uh, you know, it's it sucks. Uh, I, I feel for some of those dudes, but you know, that was kind of. I think literally the Steelers had already won their season at this point by just being there. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, so you know, whatever. See you later, Big Ben. Um, Kansas City rolls on. Uh, Patrick Mahomes with a quiet 400 yards through the air. Um, and then, uh, last but not least, the game that we were hoping wasn't going to be a beatdown, but I kind of was thinking it was going to be not close. I'm just going to admit to everybody right now, I turned this off at halftime. So yeah, you know, I, mean, you, you sh- I didn't turn it off because I I watched it to the end because I was bored, but. Um, yeah, man, uh, LA 34, Rams 11, um, just, 
you know, it's funny because L.A. got outmanned, got manhandled by the 49ers in that comeback win by the 49ers last week, as in the 49ers were just bigger, more physical, more, you know, uh, tough than than the Rams. Mm -hmm. The Rams seem to have, you know, taken that energy and then now put it on their NFC West little brother um, in the (laughs) Arizona Cardinals. Um, Because, man, Arizona just... It's rough, dude, and that offense looked awful. Kyler, you want to talk about? You can say what you want about Jalen Hurts and Mac Jones, but Kyler did not. Oh yeah, yeah, no, he 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 made them look like you know NFL MVP candidates compared to his performance. And they have a good defense, you know. I mean, they've got a a uh, a solid pass rush. They've got a solid secondary. But Kyler kind of just made it easy, and the offensive play calling kind of made it easy. I mean, the Rams never had, never were like felt like they were getting exposed in any of their you know problematic areas, and um, just and then meanwhile, I mean that offense was just you know cooling. I mean they didn't even have to really. I mean, I mean Stafford what throws two first you know two touchdowns pretty quick in the game, and then you know didn't really do much the rest of the game. I mean, just kind of, kind of just chilled, and uh, you know, I mean, Odell Beckham with that opening uh, touchdown, four receptions for fifty-four yards. You oh. don't want to see him get going if you're, you know, one of the opponents. And then Odell uh, Beckham also with a one hundred percent, a one hundred QBR rating and a one eighteen point eight passer yeah, rating in the game. Yeah. Uh, just you know, doing Odell doing Odell shit. Yeah. So I mean. It stinks uh, that it wasn't an entertaining game, but also I just, for me personally, not too surprising here. I just don't, I don't think the Cardinals are that good of a team straight up. And then on top of that, like, uh, I, you know, Cliff Kingsbury in these scenarios, man, he has never really looked good, and he didn't look good in this game. Kind of makes you wonder. It's like. What does Arizona do from here? Because, like, this is the same story, just a new year. Like, two, three I, I years in like a row. I feel like roll with it another year. Um, I know, I, I I think there's Cardinals fans that are probably like, I don't, you know, uh, I don't, you know, I don't want uh, Kingsbury to stick around another year. But I think the ownership will. Um, you know, they've got... Uh, They've got, you know, decent talent. Like I, I, I like I said, I don't think they're as good as what, you know, people are sometimes making out to be. For example, right, like Rondale Moore is an awesome rookie receiver, but he's a rookie receiver. I mean, he's not and he's not Justin Jefferson. James Conner is a really, you know, he was a huge deal in fantasy this year because he just scored a bunch of touchdowns. But he's really not like this like bell cow back that you can go hand the ball off to twenty times a game and, you know, and go win. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and with Kyler Murray, I mean, that was the biggest question mark for me. Like, you can say what you want about Kingsbury, and and I do think he's worthy of criticism and worthy to be on the hot seat going in the next year. But all that progress that you kind of have had over the past few years where you're like, oh, Kyler Murray's our quarterback for the next decade. After watching that game, I'm like, I I believe in Kyler, but... Mm -hmm. I don't know if I believe in him as much. Well, like, I, I feel like a fucking idiot because I said in the last episode when I picked Arizona to win, I said the reason why I think so is because I think Kyler, you know, in in this in this time where he needs to shine is going to step up and do it. And instead, he just has an abysmal performance and makes me literally choke on a big fat 
fucking you know meat log right into my own mouth like uh, I, I yeah I, I'm, I'm kind of with you there too it's like because it, it, it's the same thing I wonder about Cliff it's just like how are we is our Cardinal fans gonna be okay with doing this another year because I I don't know I, I don't I don't think they're gonna they're they're nowhere close to the top of the NFC even if they come back and, and try to run it back again yeah they're gonna have to make some big moves this offseason I mean, there's going to be, one, they've got some huge contracts coming up, and then two, you know, so for example, right, like Chandler Jones is arguably one of the greatest defensive players of our, you know, the current generation, no mm-hmm. question. Syracuse But guy. he's also 34. Um, J.J. Watt is, you know, close to done. You have to figure he's not far. Uh, his his bo- I can say his body's pretty much done. I think his body wants him to stop. Uh, right. <laughs> Isaiah Simmons, who they drafted in the first round before the last before last season, you know, he's a talented player, but he hasn't, like, really proven to be the generational defensive talent that he's supposed to be. They've got some questions to answer, and it doesn't seem like they're going to get a lot better this offseason. Who knows? I, You know, they made some crazy moves over the past couple years that have made them into a, you know, legitimate team. They're going to have to start making some more, so... Yeah. Also, just, uh, you know, quick prayers and, and well wishes to Buda Baker. Uh, yeah, that sucks. Update that, that he is doing okay this morning is yeah, what last thing I heard. Extremities and stuff, and that's all you can really hope for after something like that. I I'm a big fan of Buda Baker. I think a lot of people are. You know, he's a fucking Rottweiler um, of a player. You know, he, he he hits hard. He makes plays. He's and he's you know a live wire and and one of the guys that is you know I would say the the juice of that 49ers defense. So hopefully uh you know the recovery continues to go well and it's you know far less uh dire than it looked initially so um yeah dom do you want to uh to go make some money before we talk start talking about head coaching head coach openings in the nfl yeah i would love to go make some money uh i need need a new paycheck because it's not pay week for your boy so folks we're gonna go to the cash grab make some dinero but when we come back we've got some nfl head coaching carousel talk and then a little nba to wrap things up here stay with us down and out returns right after this Hey guys, Dom here. I want to tell y'all about Anchor.fm. Yes, Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free and there's tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Don't know how to get your final product on all the major streaming platforms? Have no fear. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and tell them Down and Out sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Second half of Down and Out begins right now. Underway with a little head coaching carousel talk. Eight teams in the NFL need new head coaches. Um, you know, I, I, I guess when we get to the Raiders, it's not that they need a new head coach, but they are looking. That's I just want to make that clarify that the Raiders are technically a team that are interviewing for coaches. That's why they're on this list. And I think, honestly, Dom, we can just start there. And I, I bet we both have the same answer, and that's uh, Basaccio. Yep. You know, All right. Just, just, just. I mean, just to to get that knocked out of the way. Yeah, that's uh, my answer too. 
I, I don't see how you don't go with him after what he's done uh, this season. I mean, I you know, you could say that you could even say from a perspective that he got screwed in his one playoff game um, due to that, you know, Burrow yeah. touchdown thing. I mean, you know, you can even make that argument. And, too, like, even if they hadn't made the playoffs, I still would have rolled with his ass because of him – like keeping that culture together, making sure that team is playing as hard as they could week after week. I mean, that was He has probably, a locker room. He has the pulse of the locker room, which is rare. Like you need that in a head coach. So what the Raiders did after all the hubbub this year is one of the more impressive things of the season. So I definitely uh I definitely think you gotta keep Basaccia. Um and you know, you got rid of Mike Mayock. I think that was the right move too. Keep Asaccia, mm-hmm. go hire a new GM. Yep. Um, I'm all for and, uh, keeping Italians in the NFL, you know? Um yeah. it's I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. And I'm also just, I'm a big, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, guys. So, you know, it's not broke with Rich. So, all right, good. I'm glad we're out there. So, let's. Uh, make it easy. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So, let's start. Uh, I just saw this first team up here. Start with Miami, Ev. I'll, I'll, be, I'll let you kick this one off. Who do you think fits the Miami culture, giving what they need, what they have, and who can take them to the next level and then, you know, kind of surpass the Patriots for that second spot and then, you know, start knocking on the Bills' door? Give me Kellen Moore. This Ooh. Is where Kellen comes in. Okay. I think, uh, I think Kellen's a good fit here, uh, mostly because of the quarterback situation, mostly because of the offensive personnel they have. Uh, I think in general uh, he's, you know, they're – they're a franchise that's going to be willing to go with a a somewhat younger option. I mean, of course, there's some you know there's some guys out there like Doug Peterson, like Jim Caldwell that you know maybe they go with. But this is a team that has talent and really is trying to develop the younger parts of it as best as they can. So get Jalen Waddle going even more. Make sure Tua is continuing to uh, grow in his third or fourth year. Um, uh, so I think uh, I think Kellen is a, uh, a, a a solid fit there. I I don't know if it's necessarily the best possible hire that the Dolphins could make, but when you talk to me about you know when I'm when I'm plugging in all the different names to all the different spots, Kellen just felt good. So uh, I got Kellen. Okay, all right. I, I I don't think that's a that's an awful one. I, uh, I I think for me, I was just going with that same thought of like, okay, who would I be the most as a Bills fan? Who do I think would be the coach that I would be like, ah, shit. Like, are we gonna have to deal with the Dolphins in the next year or two now? It's uh, and it, not so much. Because I, 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 you know me, I'm not a Tua guy. I don't know if Tua is that guy in Miami. And so I'm thinking of a guy who at least has some good defensive background, kind of like Brian Flores, but can really help take that already pretty good defense that Miami has to the next level. Give me Dan Quinn. I like Dan Quinn in this route. I, I think I think getting him down to South Beach, a position where it's 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 kind of a bigger, flashier hire. Uh, you know, he's a guy who is you know is a is a, is an epic Patriots comeback away from from winning a Super Bowl in Atlanta. So I, I I like Dan Quinn going down to South Beach, taking the Miami job here. So I guess we are similar in the fact that we do think some Cowboys will be making some noises somewhere else other than Dallas. So well, I, at I, least we're I think, locked up think, there. I think Dan Quinn will also uh, end up somewhere. Uh, I can use that as a transition point to say. All right. Uh, I think that he will end up with the uh, the Vikings. I, mm. uh, that was God, okay. Okay. I don't. I, want, I, I don't hate that. I think. Uh, I think they like you know an established coach in Minnesota. Uh, Zimmer was that, and 
And I, I think, you know, really Zimmer wasn't far from what they wanted. They just couldn't quite get over the hump, you know, regularly with him. I think Dan Quinn can probably do that semi-regularly. I also think Dan Quinn could go there and win, you know, 18 games over three seasons and not really do <laughs> very, much. It's a very good uh, point. But but I think uh, I think that's a good fit. You know, they've got decent defensive personnel. They've got an offense that, you know, is uh, – is tons of potential sol- yeah it has potential they just got to figure it out and and i feel like you know i there's even a scenario i could see where you know quinn brings you know the the offense some of the offensive staff from the cowboys if kellen moore is also leaving you know if there's guys that are on that offensive staff that aren't really kellen's guys but are maybe mccarthy guys or or whatever you know they could they could dip with dan quinn kind of what happened with the 49ers with robert salah and um uh mike lafleur uh both going to the jets um, Lafleur now the OC with uh, with New York, so um, I think uh, I think Dan Quinn the Vikings. It's not the strongest fit in terms of just pure like this makes perfect sense on all ends. But they did request to interview him, and I do think uh, you know both sides could do worse. Both Dan Quinn and the Vikings could do worse than uh, pairing up. Okay, all right. I, uh, I I don't I don't think that's a bad choice there either. It's obviously a bigger, the big flashy hire the Vikings would like. I I take that offense into consideration of how you could take that offense to the next level that that Minnesota has. What Kirk Cousins could do, um, you know, pretty strong arm has the weapons of Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, and quite frankly, one of the best offensive minds up in the on the docket is Brian Dabble, and it's unfortunately where I think his time in Buffalo ends. I think Brian Dabble fits the Vikings role well. I would love to see, like I said, Brian having Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. You know, it's something similar I think he'll get with Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. But something that the Vikings have that the Bills don't is a true running back one. Perennial, like, running back, MVP caliber talent in Dalvin Cook. I think that the... I think that a guy like Brian Dabble would salivate over what he could do outside of the X's and O's to kind of get that offense to be the well-oiled machine I think Viking fans would hope that Minnesota could turn out to be. So give me Brian Dabble in Minnesota. And uh, sad, sad I have to say that, but quite frankly, I kind of expected to lose Brian last year. So uh, I'm, just, I'm happy that we, we at least have him for this year, and hopefully we can go win a Super Bowl in Buffalo and then send him off send him off on, on a good note before he goes and becomes a, you know, a hopefully successful NFL coach. Because you can make the same argument for Dabble that you made for Quinn. Ab. It's like, yeah, I mean, regardless of who Minnesota brings in, like, you know, 18, 19, 20 to 22 wins over three seasons. Very possible. You know, fringe playoff, you know, caliber teams. Very much expectation. And I should say expectation, but very much a reality that could happen. So we'll see there. Um, why don't we stay in the in the NFC North, Ev, and why don't we do the Chicago Bears? And I uh, for this one, I'm going to go back to the offensive minds again. This is a wild card. I just want to put this out there. I know that he might not even want to leave this job he's at, but this is where I'll take Eric Bieniemy. I, I think the Bears would absolutely kill to hire a guy like Eric Bieniemy, get the offense going under Justin Fields. This is the kind of hire that would make the Bears, you know, it's flat. It's a big another flashy hire. It gets them the the prowess that they need. 
and I think that that offense has the potential under a guy like Bienemy to really shine and kind of get back into that old. I'm trying to think, was it the 2018? Yeah, 2018 Chicago Bears with Mitch Trubisky. I can't believe I'm saying this in the same sentence. Mitch Trubisky leading an offense to, uh, you know, an NFL playoff and a Super Bowl run before a double doink, you know, ended that. Crazy to me that that we're, you know, three years past that already. But nonetheless, I'll take Eric Bieniemy in, in Chicago on this one. Yeah, well, Dom, you uh, you you're on to something because I also had uh, Bienemy to Chicago. All right, <laughs> um, you know, I, like he he Bien-Ami deserves a head coaching job. One hundred percent, without without question, he's earned it, and and it is kind of screwed up that you know, uh, you know, there's so many people that are trying to doubt what he's kind of done in Kansas City. I mean, of course you can, you know, we can always have the conversation of how much of it is Andy Reid and some of it's got to be Andy Reid. There is a mm-hmm. that that is a worthwhile consideration. That For sure. said, uh at the same time, um uh at the same time, I think this is a good fit. You know, uh, you got Justin Fields. You know, there's a lot of kind of I will say this, enemy might look at the Chicago Bears organization and and kind of they're set up around Justin Fields and go, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, I mean, Allen Robinson isn't for sure coming back. Um, you know, there's there's going to be some need for buildup, and they're going to need patience for being in Chicago if they go with them. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I do think that I would like to see being and Fields work together. I do think that he could probably get some offensive firepower going. I just, you know... I, I, I almost wonder if the Bears can really be successful in the next, like, two years, even if, like, being me did a good job. You know what I mean? Like, I think it might be a three-year gig for, to even consider going to the playoffs at this point, uh, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, it's it's tough. But, but at the same time, um, I, I, I agree with you on that fit. Um, I, I also I also just want to make the note that like I why Bienemy is so iffy for me is because he might he might just not want to leave Kansas City like he he might just be happy making the the money that he gets to be in control of an offense that has Patrick Mahomes Tyree Kill Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Travis Kelsey I mean that's an offensive coordinator's wet dream is to have that kind of offensive weapons uh, around them so yeah you know, he if if Kansas City really wanted to, they they might throw some fat fucking money at him, and that might just be enough to keep him in, in Kansas City. But we'll uh, we we will see there. Um, let's. Uh, Ab, I think your microphone is muted, my guy. I can see it on the screen oh, right now. Oh, my bad, my bad. There you I go. Yeah, now nah, you're bad. good. But uh, let's keep it. Let's let's keep it rolling here. Um, where do you where do we? So we got the NFC North checked off. We have the Bears, the Vikings. Uh, how about we, uh, how about we touch on the, let's do the Giants, Ev. The fucking New York Giants. What the hell does this organization do? There's a lot that they need to do, but there's, there's, I don't even know what the right candidate looks like, but they need some help. Who do you think brings the best chance of a possible turnaround to the Meadowlands? I think, uh, I think really, you know, this is where, this is where I get into a tight spot. I, I I kind of um, I'm kind of belying what I want to do with the Texans here, but I'm going to say D'Amico Ryan's for the Giants. 
Uh, D'Amico Ryans is the defensive coordinator for the uh, for the San Francisco Giants. Uh, D'Amico has been getting some interview requests, uh, but I don't believe the Giants have talked to him. I do think that D'Amico makes a really, really lot of like he makes a lot of sense in New York. Uh, and, you know, a really impressive defensive mind. The 49ers defense has been as impressive this year as it was uh, two years ago in the 2019 season, if not a little bit more impressive in certain areas. I think the Giants becoming a defensive first team is something that, one, the ownership and the fan base will approve of. That's how they won their Super Bowls. That's, you know, what that team was all those, you know, in, in those, you know, 2007-2011 seasons. Um and I think D'Amico is a great young personality that one will connect with uh, the you know the current roster and potential players coming up. That's kind of been the biggest problem with the Giants is that you know uh, 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 I mean Dave Gettleman is one of the most dislikable people that's I've ever you know just seen. In <laughs> very true. Uh, and and I mean and Joe Judge isn't far behind to be honest. I mean they need somebody to come in there that. When players go to New York and go to the Giants organization, they go, yeah, I can see myself playing for this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think D'Amico can be that. I think they definitely – D'Amico would need to make a slam dunk offensive hire because their offense is probably the biggest problem uh, between the two sides of the ball. But That's I think D'Amico right. would be – but but I think that Miko would be a, a a good culture fit and also uh, get that defense to where they want it and then you know slowly allow you know if if he goes with a young offensive coordinator of some kind uh, you know some somebody to you know slowly develop uh, you know their offense or maybe you know maybe there's a guy that you know is you know, would be willing to make a lateral move because he thinks that working at the Giants organization would better set up for a head coaching job sooner somewhere. I don't know. Um, but, but yeah, that's a, that's what I got for, that's what I got playing for the Giants. Okay. So my, my pick for the Giants here comes after a rumor that was kind of circling around in the past, literally probably 24 to 36 hours. And it's because they're starting to look at a former NFC North guy that is unemployed right now. I, I think the Giants go with Mike Zimmer. I think they give Mike really? Zimmer the chance. I, I think the Cowboys take the page out of the Cowboys script and they and they go to Mike McCarthy and they give it to Zimmer. I, I don't. I just have no faith in the Cowboys. I don't. I, I I would hope that they get somebody somebody else in, in the long run, but I really think that they're going to go with a safer pick, and that's Mike Zimmer. He had some. He had a lot of success in Minnesota. Just never was able to take the team that was you know supposed to be that team and was able to take them to the heights that he was supposed to go. So I think in I think in their immediate response, I could see Mike Zimmer going to New York. And that's probably the wildest one that I have on this list. But it, I, I've seen it circulating the rumor mills. They, they I, I believe the athletic reporter, they might have requested an interview for him. And obviously it's not like that motherfucker is going to deny it because he's fucking jobless. So, um yeah, I'll be I'll be curious I'll be curious to see there uh, what 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 happens. But going out of wing and saying Mike Zimmer and just solely for the fact that there's a, a consistency and the already have done it factor that maybe the Giants need to have. You know, maybe maybe it's not bringing in a new coordinator to give him a shot. Maybe it's 
getting someone who already has a head coach experience. Maybe that's the difference of what New York needs. I don't know. Like I said, it's hard for me to pinpoint what the Giants need because, like you said, it's the offense, it's the front office, it's the head coach. They need a fucking bunch of help. So, Godspeed the Giants fans. Zimmer Zimmer is like the, you know, veteran version of, uh, of, you know, of me going with D'Amico, you know, mm-hmm. going with the guy, the veteran defensive guy versus a, a guy that's up and coming. So I, I, I can, I can appreciate that too. Um, you know, uh, Dom, we're, we're getting our way down. We're making our way downtown, walking fast, uh, something and I'm homebound. Um, Broncos, the Denver Broncos, arguably the best roster of all these teams straight up. Kind of. I, I mean, I would probably say so. Quarterback is the huge, huge no-no, but everything else looks pretty good on these on this team. Um, so you know, you've got that, but you're also playing in what is the toughest, if not the second toughest division in uh, the NFL. Yeah. So with that in mind, I think you need to get someone with uh, with experience, someone that knows how to win, um, and someone that knows how to. Uh, make offenses work despite not having uh, the best of quarterback talent. Uh, I'm going with Doug Peterson. Uh, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Uh, has played in competitive divisions uh, when he was uh, in the NFC East at that point. The Cowboys were decent. Uh, the Giants were bad. Um, and the Redskins, or excuse me, wow, wow. Oh, wow. Uh, well, this has been fun. This is the last yeah, episode of Down and Out. We'll see you guys canceled. never. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, but they were they were still that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Washington football team, the Washington football team uh, uh, were also not great. But, you know, he had to compete in that division a little bit. And, and I, think, I think Peterson is probably the guy that can have the most success in that job uh, right away, other than maybe some of the other veteran options, like maybe a Zimmer. But I think they need an offensive mind in Denver uh, to, you know, kind of go where they need to go. Yeah, I agree with you there too, and that's where Kellen Moore comes in for me. I, I, I think you can make that argument about them needing experience, but I also, I also could see the Broncos going with, you know, if, if, if they want to keep Drew Locke as their guy, which I can't imagine why they would, but if, God forbid, he is that guy, that little bit of swagger and cockiness that he might have to him, you bring in a guy like Kellen Moore, and he's maybe able to to bring out something of Drew Locke we just haven't seen yet. I, I think the Broncos are the ones who give Kellen Moore the chance here, and that's really just because I think that there is a possibility that him and Drew Locke have something to work on. You get Jerry Judy, and you have two outstanding running backs in Melvin Gordon and the rookie, you know, going into his second year, Javante Williams, so it's not like like it's like you said, you know, it's, it's not like the Broncos are a, a dead organization and have like they're not the Giants. That's for goddamn sure. They're the polar opposite of the Giants, and that maybe is where they're like, listen, we can just get somebody who brings in a different energy, and maybe that energy is Kellen Moore here. Yeah, I uh, I can see that. I can I can see that working. Uh, I just like I said, I wonder if Kellen's going to be. You know, Kellen might be in a place to succeed, but they fired Vic Fangio after he just missed the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, they know that they have a good roster. They know that they need to go win games. And so uh, that's why I'm, like, with Peterson, too, is because I think they know, like, okay, we are not far from winning. Um, uh, 
Uh, so you know, I mean, it's a uh, it's it'll be interesting to see what they do. I yeah. feel like the Broncos are one of the more wide open teams, uh, you know, with the head coaching opening. And I guess we'll we'll go to the AFC South now, and we'll finish off with well, well two more. So the Texans have uh, for me this one is unfortunately it's another Buffalo guy. I think the Texans go snag Leslie Frazier. It's a sad it's a sad departure, and it's a sad day in Buffalo to lose both both our coordinators. But I think Leslie is a guy. I mean, and Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have said it in Buffalo for you know the past couple seasons. He's a guy who needs his needs a chance. He needs an opportunity to shine as a head coach. And I think the Texans are the one that give it to Leslie Frazier. And I think that you know he has some familiarity. If if, if Tyrod is still going to be the the. the the guy, the quarterback that they want. There's familiarity in there. You can, you know, find a, a definite concrete coach that will strengthen your defense. I mean, that's all Leslie has done since coming to Buffalo. So, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see what that kind of comes into fruition. But I, I like Leslie in, in, in Houston. It's going to be a tough ride for him. I hate to, you know, put someone who I love dearly in Houston, but I think he's a guy who can really help them kind of get things back on track to kind of being that tw- that shadow of the 2018 team. I, I, I'm also saying the Tyra thing because I'm just, I don't know what the fuck's going going on with Deshaun Watson. So I know like Deshaun is the guy or whatever. I just, I don't know what the fuck he's doing. So we'll keep that uh, discussion out of it. But I got Leslie Frazier here, F. Okay. Uh, for me personally, I've got, uh, this is where I had issue with D'Amico Ryan's going to the Giants. Because um, uh, he feels like I, it fits in, in, in Houston too. Because, I mean, that's, I mean, he, he had his all-pro season in Houston. He's two-time pro bowler in Houston. I mean, he knows the organization extremely well. I think he's a good fit there. Um, but, so, I, I you know, I, I agree with that. I also think that, you know, it feels it feels like Brian, this is Brian Flores' job. You know, I mean, that's, uh, uh, this, this feels like this is where he's going. You know, Deshaun's not coming back no matter what. Uh, uh, but at the same time, you know, so if that's the case, Flores wanted Deshaun, which was like part of the whole deal with Miami and whatever. But, uh, I, it also is one of those things where, um, if, if Deshaun's not coming back at all, I think Flores is fine with that. He can make it work. He, uh, he's, you know, it's, 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 it's tough, man. I, I don't know. Ah, oh, man, I'm now rethinking everything. Uh, I'm having a hard time. I'm <laughs> He's got self-doubt. Yep, I do. Uh, but I think – I just think he's a uh, – I, I think Flores is the right pick because they they need a culture builder. And Oh, and, and I was about to say that's the exact word I was just thinking because he did that in Miami. He built the yeah. culture that, that the old players want to be in Miami for. Right. So uh, I think um, – I think it's a good. I think I think Flores is a good fit after all. I I, I do know that the weirdness with Deshaun does make it seem like, huh, is that really going to work? Mm-hmm. But you know, they 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 roll a year with Davis Mills. Who knows? Maybe Flores gets the most out of Davis Mills, and you know, Mills goes for you know a, a really impressive second year if they go that route. They'll probably obviously have a veteran. You know, they they had Tyrod this season. They might get a you know. There's going to be other guys that they could uh, go from. Um, but I, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I kind of lost my, my train of thought. Um, I'm sorry. Well, that's okay. Well, why don't we wrap this up with 
your team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, to bring us on home here. I will just get mine out of the way first because I don't have much to it. Other than the fact he's a legacy, I, 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 want, Byron, I want Byron Lefwich. I want the story. I'm just here for the storyline. Give me Byron Lefwich, new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Unite Duval, turn him into the perennial power, and let's go 9-8 and eight next year. All right? Let's do it. Come on, Jacksonville. Let's go, T-Law. Let's go, Jacksonville. Duval. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Leftwich is the favorite right now, and I, I I'm pretty much uh, going with him at this point. Well, that's okay. Cause I was gonna wonder because you were a Peterson guy literally a week ago, and then well, once I, I mean, heard you Peterson, change it up, Peterson I was like, is the number one fit for me, or number one guy I would like. I don't even know if Peterson's the best fit per se, but he's the number one guy I would like in terms of just pure, you know, coaching experience. Right. He's won a Super Bowl, he's done it. But you know, with Leftwich, you can say he was the OC for a Super Bowl winning team. You know, I mean, it's not a completely out of bounds, you know, uh, comparison between the two. Uh, I think I think Leftwich makes sense. You know, he works with Trevor, like you said, you know, gets him going um, and just kind of returns uh, a sense of honor to that franchise. I mean, he <laughs> uh, he he wasn't really super beloved in Jacksonville when he was a quarterback there. I mean, him and David Garrard kind of had a cute QB battle, and that ended up being, you know, one that uh, Leftwich lost. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's not like he's it's it's not like it's this like oh wow the 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 boy comes home. Yeah. It's more of a he knows the franchise. He still is friendly with the franchise. He would like come to games after his playing career and stuff, and and you know seems to be positive. But at the same time. You know, I I think I think it would work. I also think it's an experiment. But Leftwich definitely won't be afraid to take that job, not because it's in Jacksonville, but he knows that Shad Khan will give him like three, four years to try and make it work. I mean, especially after Urban Meyer, like, <laughs> he will especially give time. Shad Khan's been famous for being one of the most pa- uh, patient, uh, you know, uh, owners in the NFL. With this, I mean. There's it's, no telling. Uh, it could be a five, six-year contract, maybe. Yeah, for sure. No kidding. So, yeah, I think Leftwich works, and, and I'll be fine with it. I'll be happy with it. It's not, like I said, I, I, I'm kind of at a point where I almost just want to get a head coach. Like, I don't even want to think about it. So, anymore. is there but is there really a candidate for you or Jag fans that right now, like, just reading the pulse of the room, like, that, you know, gets you fired up, that you're like, oh, baby. Like, I thought, I just don't think it's going to happen, but, like, what if Dan Quinn coached the Jaguars? Um, I would be pretty disappointed in that hire. I okay. Mean, I I think I think it's a fine hire. It could work, and depending on who he hired as his OC, I wouldn't be as mad. You know, if he nails the OC hire, then we are like, you know, we're we're fine with Dan Quinn. Yeah, yeah. But if the OC hire is just average, you're like shit. Like, I mean, our defense is probably going to be pretty good. But our offense, you know, is, is you know, we, we need to, you know, encourage and embrace everything to do with Trevor Lawrence. And so I really think an offensive mind is kind of crucial right now. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you know, let's say Trevor said, you know what, I talked with Dan Quinn, I went Dan Quinn. I, I kind of have that stance that I said a week or two ago, which is whoever Trevor wants is who I want. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I, I can get behind that. I'm good with that. So there you go. That's our... 
eight vacancies that we have filled here at Down and Out. We are NFL GMs. We are uh, highly, highly regarded in our consulting. So when this all kind of comes into fruition, don't be surprised that all these hirees that we just gave you guys come true. Ev, let's put a a nice little ribbon on this gift of a podcast that I feel like we're pumping out today. Uh, We got some NBA talk. We're going to do a little no for sure or huh? Miami, one of the teams up there. Are they for real or is this just a blimp? Because on the spawn of Chicago losing four in a row and after we saw Chicago get absolutely trounced by Golden State this past weekend, the Miami Heat have started to look like that 2020 bubble team again on a Currently a, a, a win streak of just one game, but 7-3 overall in their last 10, 28-16 overall, tied for first in the Eastern Conference out of nowhere. I mean, we've seen it before. If Miami's hot, they'll stay hot, and in particular, a few players on that team, and one with the name of Tyler Hero. Yeah, dude. I mean, Tyler Hero is back to 2020 form. I mean, there is no question about that. Uh, he's he's arguably been, I mean, not arguably. I mean, go look at, you know, NBA.com. Like, go look at the stats. Like, he is a top, like, he's a top five guard in the East, top ten guard in the NBA. Um, so, I, uh, I it's, it's, it's awesome to see. And then also, you know, I mean, the rich are kind of getting richer in Miami right now. Uh, Bam Adebayo just uh, got back. Yeah, I was about and, to say uh, that's huge for their their interior presence. I mean, they've got the momentum. I mean, the the Heat really do. I mean, they are they are playing well. They you know seem like they're having fun, and they've got a squad that you know I don't you know uh, we we it's it's going to end up being the same conversation we had in 2020, which was like, well, is this Miami team actually good enough to, you know, beat the, the you know, I guess it would be the Warriors or Suns this year mm-hmm. uh, in, in the finals? Are they good enough? I don't know, but they're good enough to get there. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, if, 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 if we had a Heat, uh, Heat Suns uh, finals matchup right now, I would probably take the Suns in six. Is probably where I would be standing. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I would. I would probably take SPF fifty, um, just because if you're getting the heat and the sun, you're gonna need protection in that that kind of uh, that kind of game. <laughs> Got him! Wow, I hate your guts, Tom. In the <laughs> I'm sorry. I was thinking that. That was thinking that my, that was brewing for too long. I had to say it, but I yeah. I I I think the Heat are not the NBA champion. I still think we're gonna get someone out of the West, and I still like Chicago. Don't get me wrong. I, I, they're just they're they're hitting a really rough patch right now, and they have to turn this around. They've let Brooklyn get back in the picture too, and obviously you can't count them out. But just for this segment, I mean, yeah, Miami. I think we're in agreement. They're for sure. They're faux show, and they're gonna be a fun team to watch and. Hot take, hot take, because I know Clay. I can say this because Clay Thompson is really new back. Tyler Hero might become the better shooter than Clay Thompson. He might be the new Clay Thompson. He, if 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 he, if Tyler Hero has one of those games where he dribbles the ball like eleven times but scores thirty nine points, he's new Clay Thompson. Uh, yeah. I mean, I. Uh, which, by the way, unrelated, unrelated. Mm-hmm. Just want to say it's really, really nice to see Clay Thompson back out on a basketball court. Yeah, absolutely. We, we never really celebrated Clay Day, quote unquote, or did any, <laughs> you know, said anything about it. But just want to say that's awesome and that's uh, that's that's sweet. So even though I uh, even though I hate the Warriors with my, with, you know, uh, I'm very I am too very happy to see see Clay back out there. I'm happy happy that he's got that that his health back. And uh, you know, I mean, of course, we've got you know, it's. 
It's uh, it it feels still. It, I mean, we're only halfway through the season, but it still kind of feels like we're just getting going. You know what I mean? We've got 1.5 or two games separating the fifth spot from the first spot in the East. Uh, you know, the West is obviously a little more spread out. You know, I mean, the Suns are just unbelievable. I mean, they they don't lose at all. Yeah, what else um, is new, right? And uh, and then you know, the Warriors obviously are right there. But that's the thing is that I mean. If I'm the Warriors, I don't – I mean, they are the team – they are kind of the Western team this year that I don't care – if I'm them, I don't care where I finish. Right. Like, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're at that level where as long as you're healthy when it comes time, you know, it does not matter, like, at all. Like, you are cooking uh, pretty much. So, uh, I, I, I think uh, I think we're just getting going. But, but yeah, definitely I, I think when you um, – when you look at the the teams going forward that have the most reason for optimism, I mean, I don't know how you don't pick the Miami Heat. Like, really. Uh, although their away record's pretty not great. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 close there too. But that just is that you know that's something they're gonna have to work on. And obviously, and one of the teams that I really like right now also has an abysmal away record. But that's Charlotte. I mean, I, I I'm a, I'm all on the Lamelo train, and I think Charlotte's a team that could very much hang around and, and maybe win a couple games to get themselves up in that five six seed conversation. Maybe. I don't know if a four seed's up there, but they're kind of on that bubble line of the seven seed right now. I like Charlotte, too. So I think you could kind of make some same arguments there. But in terms of who I like right now from that Eastern Conference, yeah, we're in agreement. It's Miami. That team is that team's on fire, and, you know, it's 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 a locked battle, those top six seeds. You know, well, I'll be I curious. We'll see about the Bulls. I think they'll end up being okay. Zach Levine avoided a major injury with his, uh, his MRI, came back, you know, not positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came back, you know, saying that you know it's not it's not as bad as they thought you know so that's good but at the same time like I mean going forward you know I mean the Bulls have lost four straight right so I mean it's kind of it's kind of hard to be on that wagon at yeah. this current juncture well and don't blink either because a, a LeBronless Cleveland Cavalier team has won five games in a row and sits fourth overall in the conference like what five games back in the Eastern Conference League yeah, I mean, the, the East is I, – I feel because it's very, like, it's rare that, you know, we get to talk about the East so much because there is always so much, you know, there, there's under 500 teams that get into the playoffs every year from the East. But, like, the East is, I think, far and above the way better balanced conference, and it's not even close at this point. Oh, the, yeah. the West is so top-heavy, and that's just, again, the polar opposite of conversations I feel like we're, we've had about the NBA the past couple of seasons. That's the thing is that, I mean, we've talked about, like, uh, you know, we've talked about that, uh, you know, oh, the Knicks are falling off or, oh, the Hawks are falling off. Um, you know, I, uh, at the same time, you know, the Knicks are six games back of the conference lead. I mean, they're, it's okay. You know, I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's 30, you know, or 40 games left in the season or, or 38 games left in the season for them. They can, you know, they can still recover and easily make a playoff spot. Um, you know, same thing with the Hawks, although the Hawks are nine, nine and a half games back at the conference lead and going to need to put in some work uh, to, to just get back into the playoff picture. But, um, I mean, the East is definitely the more entertaining conference, no question, Dom. I mean, it's, it's definitely way more balanced. But at the end of the day, you know that, 
you know, the two best teams in the NBA right now are absolutely the Suns and the Warriors. And, I mean, you could even make an argument that the Grizzlies are better than the majority of the teams in the East, possibly better than everyone in the East right now. Um, well, the way they're playing, it's not. Uh, yeah, with the way they're playing, that's that's not a that's not even a, a bad argument to make at all. And then you look at the Lakers, and you're like, obviously, that's a sleeping giant that can awake at any moment. You yeah, know, we'll fucking we'll fucking see. I don't want to get into I, the Lakers. I, yeah, at all. it might not. Who knows? It might be the year that they just never get it together. But uh, but I think they will at some point, Dom. Come yeah, on. Yeah, I hope so Leave too. Voice. No, I I'm, I mean I do. I, I can't. I can't. I, I can't get that upset because I haven't been this lifelong Laker fan, so I guess I don't I don't earn the the right to ha- to to be all butthurt about it. But you know the the win against the Jazz last night were really was promising. You know that's nice stuff. But we've had so many promising stretches this season, and then all of a sudden it like we got absolutely butt fucked against uh, against the Nuggets in our last game prior to the Jazz. Like it wasn't even close, dude. And watching that was just so humili- so humiliating. There's no other way to say it. It was just embarrassing to watch. So, we'll see there. I think I think Frank Vogel might be uh, might be out soon if that's that's if we're going to be honest about the Lakers right now. I think I think the way that the uh, the defense has performed this year, you know, letting up about a hundred was almost yeah, 113 points per game. Yeah, Frank Vogel might be on that hot seat, so we'll have to we'll have to keep uh, keep our ears out for that one because I think that could be the next big move out of LA. But we shall see. Otherwise, though, it is fun that basketball is balanced up up and down in the East, and the West is doing its thing. And you know, as we get more and more, you know out of football season in the coming weeks. I mean, like we, me and I were talking about before the show, it's, you know, we're going to be pretty football heavy here, folks, until, you know, until after the Super Bowl. But once that gets done, you know, we're going to be in the crunch time of the NBA. We'll probably even hopefully have some MLB to talk about. So it's going to be a lot of things we're going to be able to keep you updated here on uh, on down and out. So, Ab, I think it's, uh, unless you had any last points, it's time to put a, a ribbon on this show and, and call it a day. How about it? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Uh, you know, uh, go to twitter.com. Do it! Uh, buy an iPhone, uh, <laughs> download the Twitter app, and then go make a Twitter account, and then go to at D-O-W-N-A-N-D-O-U-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and uh, get yourself a followship of our brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, join the Mindshare and, uh, and be part of our synergy um, as we, uh, you know, embrace this bold new world of uh, sports podcasting. Um, so, yeah, follow us there. And, then D- also, yeah, uh, and make sure you DM, DM us uh, credit card info and social security number just to lock you in as a fan. Uh, that's just you know, standard. Don't don't even think twice about it. We're not mm-hmm. actually charging you. We just need the information. Um, and then also while you're at it, go on Spotify or uh, Stitcher or Apple Podcast, whatever the fuck you're into, homie, um, and uh, go uh, give us a five star uh, review. Five stars uh, looks, looks good for us, uh, and uh, you know we 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 can kind of show people and show you know advertisers or other you know connects that would be nice to have that uh, hey people like our podcast, so uh, do that please. 
Please do. And also go give some love to JD Masters and Buddha, Man in the Mirror, our intro outro music. Show them some love on YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere that you stream our podcast, like all the sites Evan just said. Go show them some love. They're friends of the program and friends of ours, and we greatly appreciate your guys' help with them helping us. So, guys, it's been fun. It's been real. I should say guys and girls, because of course we love all of our fans. So, let me rephrase that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been down and out. And until next time, Arrivederci. Later. Cool like ice, big slam, pop like medicine. That isn't really yours, but you take it with your friends. Cool, calm, collected, but I love to act hectic. Sitting in the corner in the dark like Riddick. With the notepad out, thinking about lyrics. I ignored your story because I didn't want to hear it. Bitch, did you ever really catch a switch? Where I went from rock to boo to cop a vibe like a fish. Assist like white chocolate, handing out a dish. If the devil shows up, then my soul, he does wish. I might accept the offer because I want to grind like cars and give the trophies to my mama. Make him sweat like a sauna. Because act like I can't, then I'ma spit like a llama. Take your girlfriend out and give a Balenciaga. So check me out, fill me up and watch me bounce. Because the new man in the mirror is looking like a mouse. Switch places, change faces, now Buddha runs a house. Trust hip hop more than bitches, so I'ma take her as a spouse. Or at least a concubine. If in front of my God feel divine, I'ma grab it like a shield and I'ma make it shine. Cause when I'm polished, I'll abolish if you cross the line. That's how I am feeling. Keep growing like a giant, go through the ceiling. Man in the mirror, doubled up. Now you all the fuck. We go again, but when we stop blazing, boom, boom, pow, pow. What you gonna do now? Especially when I bring the energy like it's a powwow. Besides, find a man, paint your face, cause you a damn clown. Look around, only one that isn't on my wagon now. The name is Buddha, bitch. Damn, JD. Uh, look around, only one that isn't on my wagon now.